Welcome to Hakol Radio's Top 3 segment, where we discuss the top three news stories of the day. Hakol Radio, powered by the Muncie Mavasser and broadcasting live from Schlerko Studios in Muncie, New York. Number 1 Hakol Radio is saddened to report upon the passing of the Reish Yeshiva of Yeshiva Sarbenu Chaim Berlin in Brooklyn, New York. Harav Agoyen of Aaron Moshe Shechter, Zechat Tzadik of Kaddish Levracha. The Rosh Hashiva has been ill for a while and he passed away at the age of 95 years old. The Rosh Hashiva was born in 1928 in Brooklyn, New York to Rabbi Yossel, Joe, and Rose Shechter. In his youth he studied at Yeshiva's Teres Chaim led by Rav Isaac Schmidman, whom he credited for providing him with a Torah true chinuch that was a rarity at the time. Even years later the Rosh Hashiva would speak of Rav Schmidman and his efforts to provide a Yiddish edu- education to the youngsters, then paying tribute to him as a pioneer whose influence changed the trajectory of the lives of those youths, including Rav Aaron himself. After elementary school, he joined Masifta Yeshiva Rabbeinu Chaim Berlin. Ultimately, he became a close Talmud of the then Rosh Yeshiva Harav Yitzchak Kutner Zatzal. He got married in the mid-1950s to his wife, Rebetzin Shoshana Reza, who was a daughter of Rabbi and Mrs. Baruch and Sarah Gittel Leichtung. From Crown Heights. She was a student at Rebetzin Vichna Kaplan's base Yaakov in Williamsburg. Rav Shechter continued his learning at Masifta Yeshiva Rabbeinu Chaim Berlin and eventually Rav Hutner appointed him as co-Rosh Yeshiva of the Yeshiva along with her Hutner's son-in-law Rav Yenison David, the present Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva's Pachad Yitzchak in Yerushalayim. In, 19, in the 1980s Rav Shechter joined the Nesias and then the Me'atzis Gedeli Hatayra of Agudis Yisrael of America. He was also a member of the Vad Rashi Hayeshivas of Torah Masera. Rav Shechter was not only an outstanding Tamachacham, respected for his Idias HaTorah, his Avas HaTorah, and perpetuating the Torah of his Rebbe, Rav Yitzchak but he was also a powerful monarch, taking strong stances when necessary for the betterment of Klai Yisrael and for the benefit of the Tzibur itself. His Mamora more unforgettable and his ability to be Miroimim, his Talmidim, and Mispaldim of the yeshiva throughout the year was supreme. The Levi is scheduled to, to be held at 12.45 p.m. on Thursday, August 24th at Yeshiva Sarbenu Chaim Berlin. Kvura will be at Beth David Cemetery in Elmont, New York. Yehi Zichrei Baruch. Number 2 On Wednesday night, August 23rd, the first GOP presidential debate took place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Eight candidates took to the stage to present themselves to the American electorate. On stage were North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, former Vice President Mike Pence, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, and South Carolina Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Former President Donald Trump, the clear frontrunner in national and early state polls decided to skip the debate in Milwaukee and called on his rivals to drop out. Despite him not being there himself, the person who most enjoyed the first Republican debate was undoubtedly former President Donald Trump. By not participating in the forum, he stayed above the fray, and what a fray it was. The night was full of acrimony and sloppiness. Verbal punches were thrown, but few landed. Humor and humility took the night off. The eight candidates who gathered in Milwaukee have in common that they are massively trailing the former president. Nothing that took place on the debate stage will turn that around. Businessman Vivek Ramaswamy 
had substantial momentum coming into the GOP debate in Milwaukee. But in just two hours, he blew that advantage and most probably any chance he might have had of securing the nomination. He appeared smart-alecky and disrespectful of his fellow contestants. He interrupted constantly and displayed none of the sobriety and substance so needed by a 38-year-old eager to convince voters that he belongs in the Oval Office. Ramaswamy on several occasions boasted of being the only political novice on the stage, derisively describing his fe fellow candidates as pack puppets. He also insulted the group by describing them as, quote, bought and paid for. The lack of civility was shocking, at odds with Ramaswamy's trademark sunniness. During the first break, he must have heard his attacks were not resonating with the audience, since he sub subsequently toned down the hubri, but the damage was done. Nikki Haley, as expected, went after Ramaswamy on numerous fronts and especially on foreign policy, on the contest with Ukraine, and on other issues too, the former UN ambassador and South Carolina governor summoned facts and experience to lend her credibility. She was passionate but not emotional, a difficult balance for female candidates. Similarly, she stood her ground but did not come across as harsh, another challenging dynamic for women in politics. If Ramaswamy was the biggest loser of the night, Haley was by far the biggest winner, tough on national security and securing the border, smart about education, she was also the only candidate to stake out a winning position on the abortion issue. It was an important night for the Haley campaign, which has failed to gain traction in recent months. It could prove a turning point. Chris Christie also turned in a solid performance, despite being loudly booed by the audience for disparaging former President Donald Trump. Of all the contestants, he seemed the most relaxed and drew on substantial personal achievements while serving as a federal prosecutor and as governor of New Jersey to make his case. Christie's finest moments came during his final remarks when he reminded the audience of how hard and rare it is to unseat an incumbent Democrat, a feat he accomplished when he defeated John Corzine to become governor of New Jersey in 2009. As he recalled, the last Republican to beat an incumbent Democratic president was a governor of a blue state. That, of course, was Ronald Reagan, who beat Jimmy Carter in 1980. Still, the odds of Christie advancing in the rear in the race are slim. The vast majority of Republicans still support Donald Trump, and Christie has made it clear that he is bitterly opposed to the former president's re-election. Indeed, with Trump now commanding a 40-point lead in the primary race and enjoying a widespread loyalty among Republicans, all candidates needed to break through and give voters a reason to choose them over the former president. No one achieved that, that kind of success on Wednesday night. The candidate who most needed a leap forward was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, whose campaign has been in a freefall for weeks. Though the Florida governor made no drastic missteps, he looked awkward and uncomfortable. He failed to answer most of the questions directed to him, instead dodgedly inserting prepared sound bites that rarely met the moment. The worst moment for DeSantis came when the moderators asked for the candidates to indicate whether they would support Trump for president should he win the nomination. Everyone but Christie and Asa Hutchinson signaled support for the former president. DeSantis raised his hand only after seeming to look left and right for reassurance. Viewers took note. Tim Scott was unexpected, unexpectedly subdued during the debate, which was unfortunate. His normal good cheer and faith in our country is a tonic in these bitter political times. Others on the stage include North Dakota Doug, Governor Doug Burgum, who had torn his Achilles tendon that morning playing basketball with his staff 
Considering his recent visit to the emergency room, he can be excused for having failed to excite the crowd. Like former Ar Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, Burgum is unlikely to go far. The other major player was former Vice President Mike Pence, who contrasted especially with Ramaswamy as the grown-up in the room. He had a decent night and doubtless appealed and doubtlessly appealed to conservatives who applaud his hardline on many, many issues and including national security issues. But his, religi his religiosity limits his reach. Viewers hoping to find a candidate capable of pushing Donald Trump out of the race were likely disappointed. Perhaps the evening will convince Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin to throw his hat in the ring. Without a doubt, there is an opening. Number three. Mercenary leader of the Wagner Group, Yevgeny Prigozhin, who led a brief armed rebellion against the Russian military earlier this year, was presumed dead on Wednesday, August 23rd, after a plane he was on crashed north of Moscow, and all 10 people on board were reported killed. Prigozhin was on the plane according to Russia's civil aviation agency, which cited the airline. The crash immediately raised suspicions since the fate of the founder of the Wagner Private Military Group has been the subject of intense speculation ever since he mounted the mutiny earlier this year. At the time, President Vladimir Putin denounced the rebellion as, quote, treason and, quote, a stab in the back and vowed to avenge it. But the charges against Prigozhin were soon dropped. The Wagner chief, whose troops were some of the best fighting forces for Russia in Ukraine, was allowed to retreat to Belarus while reportedly popping up in Russia from time to time. The crash also comes after Russian media reported that a top general linked to Prigozhin was dismissed from his position as commander of the Air Force. In an image posted by a pro-Wagner social media account showing burning wreckage, a partial tail number matching the jet previously used by Prigozhin could be seen. Video shared by the pro-Wagner telegram channel Greyzone showed a plane dropping like a stone from a large cloud of smoke, twisting wildly as it fell. Such freefalls can occur when an, air, when an aircraft sustains severe damage, and a frame-by-frame -frame AP analysis of two videos was consistent with, sort, with some sort of explosion mid-flight. The images appeared to show the plane was missing a wing. Russia's investigative committee opened an investigation into the crash on charges of violating air safety rules, as is typical when they open such probes. Interfax, citing emergency officials, reported earlier on Thursday, August 24th, that all 10 bodies had been recovered at the site of the crash, and the search operation had ended. Even if confirmed, Prigozhin's death is unlikely to have an effect on Russia's war in Ukraine, where his forces fought some of the fiercest battles over the past 18 months. This week, Prigozhin posted his first recruitment video since the mutiny, saying that Wagner is conducting reconnaissance and search activities and quote, making Russia even greater on all continents and Africa even more free. Thanks for tuning in to the top three segment live on Hako Radio and have a great day.